Welcome, everyone. We are so glad you're here to chat with us. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Lauren. We're excited to share conversations, stories, and an in-depth perspective of United Way's commitment to the Valley. With the holidays quickly approaching and the ongoing effects COVID is having on all of us, we thought we would take time today to talk about mental health. We are joined by Dr. Michelle Sanchez, Guidance Director at Spencer High School. Um, as well, she has her own practice, Counseling Intervention Services, where she focuses on individual counseling, couples, child and adolescent, families, military families, women's empowerment, divorce, mediation, and co-parenting counseling and classes. And guys, this episode is very special to me as a firm believer in health and that Michelle is personally my counselor that I have seen on and off for a couple of years now. So I'm so excited to share her with you. She is amazing and I'm happy to have her join us today. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Well, why don't we just start plain and simple? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, as you said, I am a guidance director at Spencer High School. Um, I'm also mental health therapist after hours. I have my own practice uh, downtown Columbus. Um, I started in counseling about 25 years ago. Um, I first started out in mental health and then got pulled into the school system kind of around the way. And the, the truth is that I loved doing both of them so much that I could not choose one over the other. So I stayed in counseling with the school system. And then after getting out of the school building, I would run over to my uh, mental health part of me and I would do that. So I've been <laughs> doing that for about the last 25 years. Um, I started working in mental health, mostly with um, families of child abuse and neglect and working with foster children um, in Alabama. Um, and I would do homestead counseling, going into homes and working with, with families in the home. So it was a lot of traveling. Um, so I did that for like like about 15 years along with being in the school system. And then eventually I just went ahead and got my license and um, got my doctorate and decided to do a practice after hours. So I'm more stationary now, but I just have a passion for working with people. And I think being in the school system really afforded me the opportunity to really get to know the developmental stages of children and and saying that our childhoods are so attached okay. to our adulthood. So um, it's just all been full circle and all meshes together for me. Wow, what a, a varied background. We're so excited that you are sharing your all of your experience with us. And we, we've seen with community schools how important a well-rounded, healthy lifestyle impacts a child and their family. So... We couldn't be more grateful that you are there to support them and their families through all of this. So with COVID, though, and the shutdown and school closures, that has to have affected everyone. What are your thoughts on that? How, is, how have you seen your practice impacted? Um, you know, it's a good question because... It impacts my private practice because, of course, you have to go to telehealth. So then you can't always have people in you know, the office. I'm back in my office, but I always like having people there with me. I just think there's nothing that compares to being in the same room with someone and really getting that spirit of that person and connecting and meshing together. So when that happened and we had to just do all telehealth, that was kind of difficult. But 
But the good thing is being able to still communicate with people because of technology. So that's a plus. Um, as far as COVID, like when I look at the school side of it, it really, really impacted everybody because it impacted the students. At first, they were all excited because we're going to be out of school for a couple of weeks. <laughs> right. You know? And so we were all like, oh, we get to vacation for a while. But then right. it dragged <laughs> on and it was just way over what we had ever expected. And I think that students really missed each other. I talked to some of them like in a little group that I had once they uh, came back and we talked about it. And if, if you don't talk to students or children, you don't really realize because everybody's so busy in their own processes how much it does impact young people. And they did talk about not being able to have graduation in person, um, not being able to connect with their friends, not being able to have certain support systems that they would normally have. And then some students that just need to be at school because that might be the only place that they have a positive right. situation. So it was really difficult. Um, and then having them come back in the building and get reacclimated being with people again is a lot too. Um, and I think that one of the things that, that I wanted to focus on in this year, I have done um, a few times, is work with the teachers because teachers have all these stressors too. So I've been trying to implement in our school, like every so often we'll have a faculty meeting and I'll talk about depression or I'll talk about anxiety and how to work through those things and then do a small workout because Lindsay knows that I believe that you have to connect your physical health with your mental health. So I have a teacher stand up and do some workouts and learn to do some meditation exercises and deep breathing. and. I'm um, and really try to make people understand, not just for adults, but for children, adolescents and adults, therapy, like Lindsay says, to me is essential. I mean, everybody needs to have somebody that they can talk to because sometimes your parents or your family members don't tell you what you want to hear or they tell you what you want to hear or they hold judgment. Um, and then your best friends, sometimes they get tired of hearing you talk about it. So if you have a trained professional that is impassioned about what they're doing, then it's a great thing for you to be able to have that therapeutic time. I love that connecting your body and mind. So yeah. do, you do you actually have them get up and, and do physical activities? Yes. So when we have the faculty meeting and I do a take on depression, and one of the things that since you guys mentioned COVID, for me was talking to the teachers about how COVID just kind of disconnected us from that social aspect with people. Right. Because, you know, I'm one of those people, and you guys probably are too, I go into a grocery store, I'm going to look behind me and talk to the person <laughs> behind me. There's some kids totally. in the next line. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. talk to those kids in the line. And, you know, my husband's always like, here she goes. But I always <laughs> talk to people or smile at people, but with the mask, it's like, you couldn't tell what people's emotions were. And it just sort of disconnected us um, and isolated us and made us a little afraid of talking to people or engaging. And so I talked to teachers about that too. Um, and so I just feel like with the masks and everything, we have to come back to a place where we can kind of try to find another way to reconnect. Cause sometimes we try with our eyes, you know, but then you don't want people to think that something's wrong with you, but, but there's just so <laughs> much that's happened, you know, in that amount of time. And then, you know, you to, to you guys, the civil unrest and all these political things on top of COVID right. that's been huge stressors and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And it's just been a lot. Absolutely. Yes, I definitely know every time I've walked into Michelle's office and I'm having issues. She is like, when is the last time you invested in yourself? When did you go on a walk? Did you go to the gym? Did you do this? And I'm like, okay, no, no, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, well, I, what I preach, you know, like I get up in the morning and with my husband and we get up about 430 and 
every day, you know, Monday through Friday and some Saturdays, we will get up for hour, hour, 15 minutes or so and work out. And it's not just physical. It's because it makes me ready to get to work. It makes me energized to do what I have to do. And so I know on those days that we don't get to work out, if we if something happens and we can't, it's a different kind of day for me. I don't feel as energized. So a lot of times when people are depressed, sometimes it's situational, sometimes it's internal, but the, the working out and moving your body, it just does something extra. That's hard. I know for even for me, it's almost counterintuitive to say, I'm not feeling so great. That's a cue. To, like you said, to get up and, and get active. Right. Yeah. And, and, like and it does make you feel so much better, yeah, but in does. the moment. Right. So, what would you say in those moments to like snap yourself out of it and sort of get you motivated? Well, one thing is that if you begin a pattern, a pattern becomes a habit, you will get to the point where you, where you'll do it. If you can do it like, Monday through Friday, just for one solid week and really get up and do it, you will get conditioned to wanting to do it. Um, But when you have those moments where you go, I don't think I want to do this today. The most powerful thing for us is our thought process and how we uh, process our thoughts. And so I tell people, when you hear the negative thought that says, well, I don't really want to do this, you have to counteract it with I really need to do this. Mm-hmm. This is going to be good for me. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is we have to control how we think. Right. One negative thought leads to a negative thought to another negative thought. But if you can try to counterbalance it and immediately take heed to that positive thought, usually you can get up and at least get started. And then you're so happy that you did when you're Absolutely. finished. I feel so much yeah, better can- active. Yeah. Yes. And it can even be something so small as, you know, just going, taking your dog on a walk. Um, I know yes. I'm happier when I do that. And also my dog is much happier. That's therapeutic. The little things. Um, but so as we're talking about mental health, what role does mental health play in the lives of children? And, you know, then not only children, what is Uh, mental health play in our work environment? I know you touched a little bit about that on talking with your teachers, but if you could expand a little bit. Um, So with children, you know, Lindsay, that's a good question too, because I always tell people when they come in my office and, you know, it might be a couple and they may be having some situations or some communication problems. And I'll ask them like, what was it like when you grew up as a child? Like, what was your relationship with your mom and dad? And then I'll ask the husband or the other mate, like, what's the relationship? What was that like as a child? Because our childhoods are just tied to our adulthood and we make so many decisions and we have certain behaviors that we've learned through childhood and we've had certain things or maybe traumas that affect us in adulthood. Um, I think mental health is so important important with children. And sometimes parents are more apt now to bring kids in for therapy, but it's just essential for parents to understand that children do need help to process things. I remember when I was um, younger and I was like maybe 12 or 13, I remember saying something to my mom and my mom saying, you, you know, she was a great mom, but I remember her saying, you're too young to have problems. You're too young to be depressed about something. You know, you don't know what problems are yet. And I remember thinking, But, you know, like we we have to remember that children have all kinds of uh, childhood disorders now, their mental health or just peer pressure or bullying or feeling like they don't fit in. So it is important, essential to be in tune to the mental health of children and not just, um, you know, act like it's not that important or they'll grow out of it. We have to be attuned to it. 
And I think it's a good starting point for them to understand that talking about your feelings and your emotions from a young age sets the stage for for that to be a practice throughout your life. And what a great foundation. Right. And I do have some adolescents that will say, like, I told my friend about you and they're going to get therapy. And somebody somebody said, um, you know, it's almost a trend for some adolescents to be like, I have a therapist. But I think that's great. If it's a trend, then that's amazing because then mental health and therapy is so much more accepted. People aren't trying to hide it anymore. They're not, people are not afraid to say, I have a therapist, you know, even therapists need therapists. So um, the best trend. Yeah. Investing in yourself, especially that young kids have so many different stressors, even than, you know, we did growing up. It's just such a different environment. And it's, it's funny you say that because it's like they deal with social media, they deal with, you know, there's little social media jabs and different things and having to live up to this standard and television. And so they do have a lot more distractions than we had. And I, I even tell people sometimes in therapy, like, don't look at the news all the time. Like when it gets to be too much, turn it off. Watch it once a week, every other day, because if you drown yourself in all of the negative things that you may see, that can make you uh, depressed, whether you're a child or an adult. I'm glad you mentioned social media and not just the the bullying and the nastiness that happens, but I see my nieces and they are so much more aware of what's going on, not just in our area, but in the nation and the, and the world. And that stresses them out. Yes. And like you said, so one of the things is we just maybe not, not look at that as much and and it's okay. I think they feel a sense of responsibility also. Right. They are coming up in this world and they need to know right. and they need to share and they need to advocate. Right. So it stresses yeah. them out. Right. And we just have to know the limitations because that was my thing every day. Get home at six o'clock. My husband and I sit down to dinner and watch the news until like one day he was like, you know what? I need to take a little bit of a break because yeah. this, you know, you're getting teary eyed about you know, these kids that don't have food to eat or you're, you know, and I said, you know, yeah, we just got to roll it back sometimes and no one to take a break. We know mental health is more than just, uh, as amazing as you are, Michelle, it's more than just going to see a professional. So what are some other things that you can do to support, like going for a walk? What are some other things we can do? Um, That is like one of the things Lindsay said is if you don't have a pet and you have a pet, they are amazing. Like I have my little dog back here. You probably can't see him, but he's a Mastiff um, German Shepherd mix. And he's just, he does it's just amazing the tranquility and peace and love that I get from him. Um, maybe having a pet, like like Lindsay said, going running with your pet or walking with your pet, doing some things sometimes in, in isolation. If I was saying that I work out with my husband, but I don't work out with him. I work out where he is, but I'm in my own little space, you know, like mm. I'll do something over here. Or if I'm not in the gym, if I, if I am in the gym, I don't have to be in the the, the kickbox group. I can get on the treadmill, listen to some tranquil, peaceful music or my favorite song and have some space with myself, you know, right. um, going for a walk in the park, driving to uh, Lake Bottom and sitting out by the lake and just sitting out there and watching nature, doing things that separate you from that momentum of that daily grind. But just doing something. My mom used to say um, years ago, sometimes you just have to be still. Mm-hmm. You just have to stop and be still. Mm-hmm. Uh, something else you can do too is in this day and age with work and with all the other things going on, sit down 
instead of just getting into a funk and being depressed and saying, I'm so moody today, I don't feel happy today, I, I don't know why I don't feel happy, but sit down and write down the things that you know are bothering you so you can actually see them and they're not just floating around in your head. And then you can look and say, what can, how can I fix this one? What can I fix first? What can I eliminate from this list? Um, that's another good way of kind of de-stressing if you're not seeing a therapist. But um, but again, just being able to see someone, you know, some people are still inhibited, but just being able to, even if you go to a therapist once or twice and just get some tips or something, you don't have to necessarily go forever. It is good to be um, to be consistent, especially when you're first starting out. But just if sometimes if you'll just get there, a lot of times people might not because therapists or people may not click with that particular therapist. And so they never go to another therapist again, right. but it's just like going to a surgeon or another doctor or a family doctor. Right. You may not like their bedside manner, but that doesn't mean there's no good doctors out there. So exactly. yeah, well, find one that you connect with and, um, and, and not give up on the fact that it is good to have somebody neutral to talk to. I love that. Um, there are so many amazing therapists um, in our region and um, I think so that too. it is so important to build that relationship. And, you know, Michelle wasn't the first counselor I've ever gone to, but I've never really had that connection. And then meeting her, I was like, this is my person that I can talk oh, to and oh, so relaxed when I leave a room. Um, so it's very important. Don't give up. Keep, you know, keep trying out new people and just see who you click with and um, all the great tools Michelle's even given us of just little things that you can do to de-stress. Um, today, even right after this, um, Lauren and I and our boss, Chandra, are having just a little mental health check-in. We're just going to eat lunch, you know, even virtually. Right. And we're not going to talk about work. We're just going to talk about right. life. And we're going to catch up and celebrate the good things that are going on in each of our lives. So just the little things that everybody can do um, to put a smile on their face and make right. each day better. That's awesome, Lindsay. I think that's important, too, is if you don't have a therapist, as you said, Lauren, if you don't have a, a therapist, you can if you have a little group where you guys can go eat, you know, and like you said, don't talk about work and just have that time out downtown eating outside, um, you know, eating some sushi and and talking about fun things. I think that's really essential. I can't wait. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Miss <laughs> <laughs> my ladies. So, yes. We we advocate all the time for those that have less than the rest of us. And so for someone to go see a therapist or a counselor may not be covered in their insurance or maybe too costly. What do you, what are your thoughts on access and affordability? And what would you say to that person that may not have the funds to, to go see you? I think that's so important. Um, I do a sliding fee scale and honestly, it, it slides a lot because sometimes you can't have parameters on it. Um, for me, if I find somebody that seeks me out and really needs to have therapy, I just can't send them away. I have to figure out a way that we can work it because they have to invest something in it for it to be meaningful. But I definitely will try to tailor it to whatever they can do. So there's moments and times where I can fit that in my schedule. Um, if you're looking for someone and there is somebody that they might want to go see, normally I, I would hope that therapists would, if they couldn't see that person, refer them to someone that does pro bono or can slide the fee down because the worst thing is, and what we, what I don't want as a mental health therapist is for someone to say they needed help, but they couldn't afford it. And like you said, everybody doesn't have insurance. So I don't, 
I, I can't turn somebody away that's seeking help just because they don't have the funds. I have to make it work. That's so generous of you. And I, like you said, I hope that other doctors do the same. Do you think that then they should just ask and in the hopes that you could help or, yes. or recommend someone that can. Right. Yes. Cause sometimes when, when they call me and they say, you know, and I tell them the fee if they don't have insurance and if they say I had that happen actually yesterday. And, and if someone says, well, I, you know, I'm a single mom and I'm going through a divorce and I don't have this or that, I'll, I'll just have to say, we'll just have to figure out how to make it work. You know, yeah. and I know that people have to survive. I mean, I do work at Spencer, so it's not like that's my only income, but I think we have to as therapists set up, and I had another therapist that said this to me too, some side, some places on the side where you can let those people come in as they need to. Um, and I think that we need to really probably uh, formalize a coalition where people can come. I know that there are some agencies like, um, can't think of it right now in uh, Columbus, where people that don't have insurance or if they're on Medicaid, they can go. Um, so there are some avenues, but there's yeah. those people that are in between you know, right. that they can't get Medicaid and they don't have insurance. So right. those people in between, those are the ones that we have to try to help. And probably need it the most, maybe. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like New Horizons, there's some places people can go, but everybody can't go. So you don't want to lose people in that gap. Um, and so that way, if I and if I'm if I'm overbooked, then I do have a couple of friends that I can refer but um, we just need to have a network of being able to catch those people. It's really I love important. I love that idea of a coalition, a mental yeah. health coalition. I think That's that amazing. we we really do need that. Just a reminder to our people that are listening that two one one is a good resource if you um, are looking for any kind of service. They have a good a good um, database we can work from if you're if you need a starting point. And then as Michelle just said, you know, just start calling around, see if there are any counselors in your area that provide that sliding scale service, or maybe they know of someone that they can plug you into or resources they can plug you into. And you know, the um, church so, is a good place too. I mean, there are some good churches also. Um, so if you uh, feel close and connected to your church, finding someone there that you can also talk to. So there are those different avenues. Um, but just knowing when you need to talk to someone that you talk to someone. That's a great idea. So you're already connected to your your people in the in the church. Yeah. yeah. Those all are all right. of our questions, Michelle. Yeah. What what else have we do we not cover that you'd like to cover? We've got a few more minutes. I think you guys did such a good job of those questions, especially in today's, in these days and times. Um, I think just, you know, as we were saying earlier, there's so many things with, uh, with even women, with women's issues. Um, and I think about that a lot because women, we have so many hats where we're, we're employees, um, we're moms, we're sisters, we're um daughters where we just there's so many things that we have to do and a lot of times we're the fulcrum of the family too and so Absolutely. i do like working you know with women on some issues because we have to deal with uh caring for everybody else and wanting to nurture and sometimes we don't nurture ourselves because we're so busy trying to make sure our family is intact or or that other people are okay and so we just have to really be able to be empowered as women to help to help women, but um, to recognize the things that that we have that's different, you know, maybe from 
from our counterparts uh, and just, you know, take care of those things. I love um, seeing uh, that on your on your card when I was reading it. I knew you covered so many different, you know, parts. Um, what was that on the card? But when I saw your women's empowerment on your card, oh. I was like, I love that. That is so true. Um, <laughs> Like sometimes have a girl gang moment in there and right. it just you leave empowered it is great yes. so um, yes. that's an, that's another reason to invest in yourself um, right. sometimes we just get drained a little extra yes. um yeah, we so right. amazing well michelle we truly appreciate you being here um, and sharing information with our community and just talking about the importance of mental health and hopefully people have learned from this episode of where they can go to get help and just the little things they can do to invest in themselves. So thank you for taking the time to chat with us. I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so much. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay. You guys take care. Be blessed. Women Helping Women is at the core of our Women United group. Join us next time as we talk with some of our favorite ladies in the community. You don't want to miss it. To catch a previous episode or for more information about United Way, visit unitedwayofthecv.org. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you're here to chat with us.